Good morning from Backwoods Theology. It's good to be with you once again. We hope that you're excited about another great podcast episode that we are going to gather together once again. I've got my two friends here with me today, Josh and Chad, and we are looking forward to uh, having a great time of discussion with you this morning. Looking forward to it very, very much. We are a bit closer to spring, guys. And even though we got a little bit more white stuff we last got like night, eight inches last night. So it was supposed to be a dusting, <laughs> dusting to eight, I guess. Yeah. May I ask our vast audience a question? You know, whenever the preacher is wrong on something, he always has an audience of people correcting him. How can we not be weathermen who just constantly? Uh, do not get the forecast correctly, and yet everyone still listens to them. Everyone right. plans their life mm-hmm. around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were calling for one inch of snow, and we got about six uh, at our house. So uh, anyway, uh, they can't predict the weather for tomorrow, but they can tell you what it's going to be in 40 years. We're all going to be cannibals <laughs> eating each other because of uh, global warming. Sounds so, delightful. Yes. If that's going to that's be why I'm losing weight. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying you might be a little appetizing? No, I'm not going to outrun the other one. Yeah. So uh, uh, if we were corn feeding you, you would know that something's wrong here. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, I don't know how we got into cannibalism. <laughs> that's the beauty of unscripted. Yes. <laughs> well, today we are. Uh, we received um, several questions uh, that people have sent in, and it would be great if we could get to all of them, and we would we are attempting to do so. Uh, it's the last take time. You're right. It's going to take time. The last episode or so, we answered uh, a question that came in. Well, we want to answer uh, another question in this particular podcast. We were discussing, oh, a couple podcasts ago, John chapter number three, and We were talking about the new birth, and the verse came up um, about, it's John chapter 3 and verse number 5, where Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Uh, And the statement was made, and that I believe all three of us around the table agree with, that Christ is comparing the two births there, that born of water um, is speaking of physical birth, and uh, born of the Spirit is speaking of the spiritual birth. And a listener texted in and was questioning whether the born of water is actually physical birth, and they included a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament, and I just thought it'd be good to talk about it. And so there's some different things we can talk to here, but I've introduced it. So we're talking specifically about what Jesus said in John 3 and verse number 5. Does being born of water, is that speaking of us being physically born? The the point that the listener brought up, and let me say in the beginning, I'm thankful for questions. It means people are listening, and we want to answer people's questions. So... um, they stated that, well, why, obviously, everyone is physically born. Why would Christ, in essence, be stating something that is that obvious? And if I'm misrepresenting the question, I don't mean to. Um, But that's what we want to do. And they brought up a passage of Scripture we'll talk about in a moment. But before we do that, why don't we stick with our text? So who wants to lead off here um, about being born of water? I can... uh, You go ahead. Well, do you want us... You've already read verse 5. Right. I did, and I purposely didn't continue to read. So. Okay, so I will purposely not continue to read as well? No, you do it as well because you're okay. answering. No, no. Okay. Go ahead. Well, um, you know, when we're trying to understand something in the Bible, you know, we definitely want to see what else is said. What else does Jesus say to help clarify things? Because Jesus is in a position where he is he's teaching Nicodemus, right? Mm. So he's instructing him. And so, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water... And of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And then in verse 6, he says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So clearly he's he's expanding upon what he said in verse 5, and because he refers to a spiritual birth. And so I, I would just, you know, comparing Scripture to Scripture, to me, 
verse 5, verse 6, born of water is the same as born of the flesh. Um, just looking within the, the verses, within the context uh, that they're given. So, and and I have, think, Go oh, ahead. No, no, you go. I think You're also prepared. we, we um, misrepresent the verse to, I say we. I don't mean we as the three of us. I meant Christianity. Um, because we're going <laughs> to, I got to be careful. But there is a difference between birth and baptism, right? Correct. So I think this verse also has been used in the wrong way of, well, this is speaking of water baptism. Um, you need to be bab- baptismal regeneration. We need to be baptized in order to be saved and so forth. Um, well, there's a difference between birth and baptism. Um, and, and I think that has also messed up this verse. That's not what the question was. I don't believe that's what he was referring to in his question. But I also want to make sure that we, the three of us, obviously, we don't believe that baptism saves you. Um, and you don't enter into the kingdom of God by physical baptism because, again, the kingdom of God is spiritual. You cannot enter. Flesh and blood cannot inherit. You cannot do anything on a physical level for kingdom of God entry. When he means born of water, I believe, because according to what Brother Chad just said, verse 6 is clearly referring to a physical birth. And um, when he refers to the born of water here. Now, the question then comes, why does he even bring it up to begin with? Well, um, we can do that definitely. Can I bring out one more point? Nicodemus was aware that Jesus was speaking about birth. He, That's right. Um, if we... I, I like to tell our folks at our church, if there's a verse that is confusing you, read before it and read after it, mm-hmm. and it may give you some more information. Uh, Nicodemus obviously brings up physical birth in verse 4, where, um, and Christ does not correct his bringing up a physical birth, what he re- reiterates is this being born again. So in verse number four, Nicodemus brings up the fact of that, uh, can we enter again into his mother's womb? So uh, the context here that Nicodemus is bringing up is physical birth, but Christ is bringing up the rebirth. Um, For instance, in verse number seven, he uses the word again, again, where... Okay, I'm, I'm speaking of a new birth where a man is born again. Well, the use of the word again would tell you that the man was first born once. And uh, Nicodemus sets that context with physical birth in verse number four. Um, the point was brought up in the question, and again, great question. I'm very glad it was asked. Uh, why Everyone is born physically. Why would Christ be bringing that up? Well, the context is set for us in verse number one. The man to whom Christ is speaking, he is speaking not only to a Jew, he is speaking to a ruler of the Jews. And let's think, this man believes his very birth alone, because he is a son of Abraham, is enough for him to be right with God. So this isn't just any man being born. Mm -hmm. This is a son of Abraham. So what Jesus is actually telling Nicodemus, just because you are a son of Abraham, just because you were physically born a son of Abraham, that is not enough for you. Uh, That's John. We're in John. We go back to John chapter number one and verses... um, Verses 11, 12, and 13, the Bible says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power. Notice, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Then verse 13 tells us how we are born and how we are not born. Which were born, verse 13. Well, we know that that's speaking of spiritual birth, that word born there in verse 13. It first tells us how we are not born, which were born first, not of blood. Now, that's not referring to the blood of Christ, because we are born again by the blood of Christ. 
we're not born of blood. It's not who we're related to. It's not uh, what our lineage is. We're not born of blood. We're not born of the will of the flesh. We're not born of the will of man, but of God, speaking spiritually. So I believe Christ is letting this ruler of the Jews know as well that your physical birth, even though you were physically born a son of Abraham, it is not enough, not enough for you to, your physical birth is not sufficient for you to be right with God, and he is offering the second birth. Any other discussion before we go to the uh, the, the listener also brought up an Old Testament passage, which I thought was interesting, which it'd be good to go back to. We could just go back and say what that's talking about. But any discussion before we do that on John 3? No. No, let's dig into the Old All Testament right. Passage. Well, um, the listener cited this passage, which I thought was great. Um, uh, it's Ezekiel chapter 36, Ezekiel 36, um, where the listener felt that, well, this is what I thought being born of water actually actually means. And uh, let me find that here in my Bible. Hold on just a second. And, oh, where's the verse that I wanted to have? It says in here, sprinkle with water. I, I forgive me, I lost my, lost my note. Well, let's search for sprinkle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Start there. It's not a Baptist right. term, but... <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Um, I, it's somewhere around verse... Ezekiel 36, 25 says, Then okay. will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you That's shall be one. clean. Yes. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. This is a good exercise in rightly dividing. It right is. Here. Yeah. It is. So I'm glad that this listener brought up this question and brought up this passage of Scripture. Uh, they cited this to say... Um, you notice um, that it's that it talks here about using water to make one clean, mm-hmm. water to make one clean. And so, what is Ezekiel thirty six? What is the context? What what is this? Is this talking about all men? Is it talking about the nation of Israel? Is it this age? Is it Christ's first coming, second coming? Um, Let's use right division here. All right, so let's just work backwards until you figure out who he's talking to, right? So um, verse 24, For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries, and I will bring you into your own land. Okay, there's some really, a lot of helpful language there. We know that Israel was promised land. Uh, we know that if they were, um, if if they rebelled against the Lord and didn't, uh, follow his commands. He had promised to scatter them, but there's also a promise to gather them out of countries and bring them into their own land. So as a as a new age, as a new age right? as a New Testament believer, uh, part of the church, I know that I don't have a land inheritance. Okay, but I know Israel was promised one. So they're def- he's definitely speaking to Israel, right? right. Go ahead. But you can read Josh. that in verse 22. Yeah. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake. And then he continues on. So when he says in verse 24, like you said, For I will take you, what's the antecedent of the word you? There's the pronoun, what's the antecedent? It's going to be the house of Israel in verse 22. So this is this I, is speaking, I believe he's speaking right. to Israel. Now yes. there is a cleansing here. Of course there is in verse um, twenty five, yeah. Which I believe verse number twenty five refers to uh as well the we believe this is speaking if we continue to read verse twenty six, and a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. If we look at the book of Ezekiel as a greater whole as well, um, 
Much of Ezekiel is about the coming kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's visions of the millennial reign of Christ upon the earth. Um, I believe this passage of Scripture, there is a cleansing. There's an actual cleansing for sin. Um, This is one of the many promises of God that he is going to forgive the sins of the nation of Israel. He's going to do that. Now, this isn't... Now, in Zechariah chapter 3, I think it is, where there's a vision of the high priest Joshua. He is dressed in filthy garments. He is reclothed. That is the forgiveness of sin for their Babylonian captivity, where they are restored. But I believe this particularly is when God has promised to forgive. Notice it says in verse 25, from all your filthiness Mm -hmm. and from all your idols will I cleanse you. That this is a future time where um, Israel's sins will be forgiven. They will all believe on him. The book of Zechariah tells us that, that the third that survives the time of tribulation, they will all look upon him whom they've pierced and they will all believe and God will forgive uh, their iniquities. There's many passages, Hosea 2, um, other passages of Scripture, the book of Micah speaks of it, where their sins will be forgiven. Um, And in a minute, we'll go to what Paul said in Romans. You, You know, we try to place ourselves in these promises for Israel, and I'll show you in Romans, there's a verse, I don't want that to be about me. That's right. Yeah. I don't want it to be about me. Yeah. What else do you want to say about Ezekiel 36? Here? Well, in the same chapter, I mean, if you just keep reading verse 33, thus saith the Lord God, in the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities and the wastes shall be builded and the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that pass by. And they shall say, This land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. Then the heathen that are left around you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that that was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. So you look at all of these descriptors, and, and that is not, you know, that is still yet unfulfilled. And because it's yet unfulfilled, we know in context he's looking to a future time. And that, you know, that helps us to not, to not fall into a place where we think that water baptism is anything other than a demonstration of, of the spiritual reality of being born again. Um, and I was even thinking, too, if someone tried to take John back in John 3 and say being born of water uh, is, you know, is somehow baptismal regeneration— you just have to use the normal rules of common sense language to know when he says you must be born again, then somehow you have some kind of weird two births at your, at baptism, your baptism and then right. later, you know, at belief. So then it's just, it's an odd, you know, you just got to read the Bible plain. Otherwise things get weird quick. Right, so. to Bi- right Bible, right division, right understanding. Right, right. And I'll just bring this up. I know we've been talking about baptismal regeneration None of us believe that's what this listener was bringing up by his no, question. No, I don't believe this that. This is just what yeah. has naturally come up from discussing this in a podcast. Um, I don't, looking at the, the listener's response, I don't think they believe that at all. They just cited this, that they thought this is what that was referring mm-hmm. to for the Jew. Um, but Jesus was speaking of a present reality, not a future reality. Um, being born of water. He was speaking of a current, uh, and I. so I just wanted to mention that as well. But there are those that do believe um, in baptismal regeneration, and, you know, in a future podcast, we'll deal with that. You know, the famous Acts 2.38 um, that keeps coming up, which um, believes that baptism is a part of the salvation process, that it's what completes the salvation process. Which is a bummer for Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. It is. Right? 
Yeah. Yeah. I know we're not going there, but I'm just thinking about it, how many times you hear the Acts 238 argument, and then there's like, well, is there any consideration given to the Ethiopian eunuch a few chapters later? Right. Or Cornelius in Acts chapter 10? You know, what is the answer there? Uh, but if, if we... If we hone in on something with and ignore other clear teachings, we're going to make mistakes, mm-hmm. or people make mistakes. We make mistakes too, but you know what I'm saying. So what were you saying about Paul? Paul, um, we're, we're just talking here in Ezekiel 36 about this is one of the several uh, passages where God promises at a future time to forgive the sin of the nation of Israel. Um, One of my favorites is Hosea 2, where it says, he talks about where he will remove the names of Balaam out of their mouth. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, ye shall dance, ye shall sing again as ye did in the days of Egypt when the relationship first started. Uh, He's restoring their pureness in Hosea 2. Um, But in Romans chapter number 11, this is a great dispensational uh, passage, um, if you love Romans, I love Romans, and chapters 9, 10, and 11 are definitely the Israel chapters of the New Testament. In fact, Romans 11, I believe the nation of Israel is mentioned more in Romans 11 than any other chapter in the New Testament. I mean, it is the Israel chapter of the New Testament, in my opinion. And Romans 9 is about Israel's past, Romans 10 is about Israel's present, and Romans 11 is about Israel's future. And uh, I'm reading in Romans 11, verse 26, the Bible says, and so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Now look at verse 27. This is the verse that I was referencing what Paul said. For this is my covenant unto them. Now, we have believers in churches today that, you know, will say that the church has replaced Israel and any promise made for the nation of Israel, the church can claim that promise. Well, here's a promise you don't want to claim. You don't want to claim it. Because look at what the Bible says. For this is my covenant unto them. Well, who's the them? There's the pronoun used. Well, the them is clearly the nation of Israel. When I shall take away their sins. Now, what's interesting is we're in the church age in Romans 11, where there are those who say that God is done with Israel. He has uh, forsaken them because they have forsaken him. But here we see in the present where during this church age that God has not forsaken his covenant. He has made this covenant specifically with them, but you notice it's in the future tense. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to claim this covenant, then that means that your sin and my sin is not yet forgiven. And I don't know of any believer who believes that. Right. Um, But we see that... um, And and that is, you know, just... Verse 27 um, is not a brand new sentence. It's part of verse 26. Correct. Right? So if to understand verse 27, the covenant, he, he lays it out by quoting Scripture. Correct. Right? As it is written. Uh, he's referring to, I believe, Isaiah 59 is one of the references there, and also some of the Psalms, you know, promises, co- covenants he's made with Israel. Correct. Yeah which we discussed in a previous podcast, that the covenants that God has made with them, I brought up the Isaiah, what is it, 54. It's like the waters of Noah, just like he's not going to break that. And Brother Chad, I think you brought up one as well, the covenant with David. um, Yeah, the covenant, if God says, if you can break the covenant of day and the covenant of night, then I'll break my covenant with David. Um, And specific, that covenant would be having... You know, the seed of David sitting upon his throne forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The covenants that God makes, he keeps. And so here's a covenant that even though we're in the church age, is now strong, verse number 27, that he is going to take away their sins. Mm-hmm. And it's speaking of this future forgiveness of sin, that even though, again, going back to our John 3 passage, 
even though they are born of water, and again, the, the context there is more than just, I mean, everyone's born of water, but specifically that their physical birth, the fact that they are born the sons of Abraham, mm-hmm. that that is not enough. Their sins still need to be taken away, and the Bible says that God is going to do that. I'm so dying to go to verse 28, but uh, <laughs> that might lead into... I think I'll lead into another a, uh, another question yeah, that think was so. brought up. I so, think I'll, so. Yeah. but verse twenty eight is just so good. I believe everyone ought to have it underlined in their Bible. But uh, but we we want to stay true with with the question that was asked about um, being born of water. Any any anything else that you think needs to be brought up about this particular question? I. I uh, certainly don't want to shortchange either one of you guys. You brought up um, replacement theology or covenant theology, which to me are both the same. Um, and I think it's also important because, again, uh, I think, Brother Chad, you mentioned a few moments ago about the simple, just what does the Bible say? Right. You know what I mean? We did it in John 3. What is Romans 11, 1? You know, we, th- what a great verse. I say then, hath God cast away his people? Well, God's done with Israel. Who's forsaken them? God forbid. Well, is that talking about the church? For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, it, it, to me, it doesn't get any simpler than that to know he's not done with them. Mm-hmm. And we don't question any of the God forbids in Scripture. So why question Well, that's the strongest, no the strongest no in the Bible. That's right. Yeah. I mean, Paul does that twice in... What is it? Chapter five or six? That's in chapter we, six. Shall yep. we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid is the strongest. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're putting God's name on it. On it. That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so, and I, I'm just kind of piggybacking on what you said a few moments ago. Um, he is writing we about. Don't want, oh, go ahead. Uh, no, we don't want all the. We don't want those promises, like you said. We don't want the Romans 11 verse 27 promise. We don't want that covenant. Right, we believe our sins are forgiven now. now. We're not yeah. waiting for it, but Israel is waiting for their sins That's to right. be forgiven. By the way, when we say Israel in this context, this is unbelieving mm-hmm. Israel. There are those individual Jews who have believed and their sins are forgiven now. But this is speaking of this is speaking of Israel that according to verse number seven of the same chapter is blinded. They're, We're talking they the, are blinded. The nationally. Correct. Yes. Nationally as a nation, Israel must believe. Now, in Romans 11, what I love what Paul does is he is writing about Israel, but he is writing to Gentiles. We see that in verse 13, where he says, for I speak to you Gentiles. And so... Paul always does such a great job, I believe, in his epistles. Whenever he'll use the word brethren, he will always, you then know whether he's speaking of his kinsmen according to the flesh, meaning fellow Jews, or whether he's speaking of saints, the brethren. There are just, there's always that indicator to whom Paul is speaking, mm. which I think is, is awesome. And it's no, no exception here in chapter number 11, that he is speaking of the future forgiveness of the nation of Israel, and that is Zechariah 14, that we kind of cited on a little bit, I think, in one of our previous podcasts. Mm-hmm. It's great. So do you want to try and target another question, or do you want to... Yeah, let's. Do we have another question? We've got other questions. I don't know what the time is like. Oh, we only got. We're only just half an hour in, so we could probably. Yeah. yeah. So let's. uh, We had a whole list, and you can yay or nay it, but we were discussing (laughs) it before a little bit. Um, Is the Earth old or young? Is the Earth old or young? Um, nay. And then, I'm hold on. You said I can yay nay. or nay. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, you're so clever. And then verse 5, verse 5, question, there's two questions kind of together. So question 4 was that. Question 5 is, is the universe the same age as the earth or older? So how do you want to, I mean, Genesis 1, 1 says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, right? So, so, so I, guess, <laughs> I guess the heaven would come first. Right, and then the because you got to have the heaven to put the earth in it, so it 
at the you just Lovelace, you're looking away. <laughs> no, you're avoiding the question. No, I'm not avoiding the question. Oh, I'm well. saying, oh, Chad. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. We we know this that it's not it is not beyond God at all. Um not so much in his not not talking about his power or his might, but even in his in his actions to create something with the appearance of age. Of course. Right? Because God formed Adam of the dust of the ground. And so he formed him uh, as an, an adult form. Uh, I think you mentioned the you know the tree of tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They're they're not saplings or seeds. They're created with the appearance of age. So it's not a problem at all for things to be created with the appearance of age. You'd agree with that. I agree to that. Yeah. Great. We'll take it from there. <laughs> Absolutely. He speaks in Genesis one that. The, the feet, you know, the, the grass, the, the trees were already, not only did they already have fruit on them, the Bible actually says they already have seed mm-hmm. ready to reproduce itself. The first command to his creation was to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. Um, look, one of the only animals actually named, the Bible says he made great whales. Yeah. It doesn't say he made little tadpoles that grew into something. Mm-hmm. It says he created great whales, which mm-hmm. I believe that's a reference to uh, Matthew 12, verse 40, the debate between was Jonah in a fish or a whale. And boy, that's, uh, I, I get off on all these sidetracks. I can't do that. Um, but absolutely. Yeah, I'd, rather, he, I'd rather talk about that for a little bit. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, we got to. I'm going to ignore Chad's. So I'm just kidding. Well, I think it goes back to as well as the first phrase of, in the beginning. In the beginning of what? Of what? Of what? Right. Something has a beginning. We know God has no beginning. Mm-hmm. So the beginning of what? Beginning denotes time, does it by not? Definition, I right. mean, by its very definition. Um, we know that God is eternal future, eternal pr- uh, past, present. Um, so in the beginning, what does that denote in its very, those three words? Yeah. The beginning of what? Right. I don't think it hurts us at all. It doesn't hurt us at all to consider that the universe that we find ourselves in, the earth can be young, but the universe could still be old. Right? Mm-hmm. The earth as The earth as it's concerned with human history, right? The earth as concerned with human history, uh, we would, I would say, looking at the scriptures, and I have not done the work to add up all the genealogies and the begets, but it appears that we're, we're around 6,000 years or so. I would agree um, to that. From yeah. Adam until today. And yeah. so I have no problem with that at all. But you can hold in tension the earth as we understand it currently, right, to be uh, with humanity, on mm-hmm. it, six thousand years in the universe, older. It's not a problem. That doesn't that doesn't hurt anybody's theology to believe that. And some, I think what's interesting about the question is we can get sucked into debates on these matters, and you feel like you're either you're either old or young. You're either old universe or young universe, or you're either old Earth or young Earth. And we have a tough time when you get sucked into that discussion where it's either one or the other. Um, People don't sometimes have an ear for a third possibility. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Am I just going to leave That's it? That's what's right great there? about this podcast. We, yeah. you know, we can all have our opinion. My, my right. mind, no, it, it just this is fun. This is when you should be saying this something because I know you have something interesting this to say. Is when, <laughs> this is when, and I, I, I mean this, um, we all. We, the three of us do it. I believe every Christian does it. We, we go to Scripture with a lot of preconceived notions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is what I, already, I always know. This is what was taught me. And I've had to, you know, for me, say, well, if I know this is what I was always taught, and yet I'm reading something that clearly 
or brings into question, I have to make sure if I was taught something, the scriptures back that up, right? Well, it's a biblical authority issue. It is. Or the issue is one of authority. Okay, so this is great because you're saying, you know, this is something I was taught. Okay, yeah, yeah. so all knowledge, right, comes from a source and authority. Has to. Yes, and there's some knowledge that we have that we accept because the authority that gives it to us is a trusted Sunday school teacher or a friend. And you take that knowledge without necessarily investigating its source or um, even 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 the pre-understandings that come with mm. that. But this is where we would challenge listener to make sure the Bible is your authority. Is your authority. For understanding your all Your Sunday school teacher, your, your pastor, your... Um, Bible college professor, they all can teach, and they should, mm-hmm. and we should listen. And the Bible says to try the spirits, whether they be of God. Mm-hmm. Well, the Holy Spirit is not going to tell us something that doesn't that, that goes against God's word, correct? Right. So if we're hearing something and we're studying something different, we have to question, not not in a unbiblical way of questioning all authority. I, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not in the '60s. Right. But we also have to make sure, remember our foundation is scripture. Well, I was always taught, okay. And a lot of times, I know for me in my life that I was always taught, most of the time it lined up exactly what scripture says. Mm-hmm. But in the journey that I've found myself on since I became um, a pastor, which makes you to people an authority as far as a biblical, you know what I mean, when questions are given. It's caused me to look back at some things that I've learned and always taught. You mentioned the universe. Is it okay to accept the fact that the universe is older than the earth? You know, I like the the, the pointing that you did because it is okay. <laughs> yeah. Is 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 that is that going to mess up our theology? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. Um, does that mean we have to believe in evolution? No. Well, we would outright reject evolution on would. on the clear revelation of Genesis. Of Genesis one, yeah, right. So we have to our authority scripture, right? So, but the but evolution as as a religion, yeah, which it is a religion. I believe right? it's a religion. It's a yes. religion of origins, is a far different question than how old is the universe. Well, that's what I mean. It's because when we get to longer than six thousand years, then well. We're going to, I say we, the average Joe, he's going to jump to, well, that means you must believe in evolution because evolution teaches billions of years. Right. You Which get what is I'm the saying? whole straw man argument. Hey, where, of yeah. course it is. Right. But that's where everybody's going to, the conclusion people jump to is when you say um, millions of years, right. you obviously believe. Well, no, I don't believe. Okay. But then, you know, you're also facing, even in this, even this question is, is a, it's like a, a red herring, right? Yes. So it is because... The larger, the bigger question is, okay, uh, well, the larger issue is not the age of the universe, but what the universe declares, right? Right. The heavens declare the glory of God. Right. So even if we could come up, you know, shoot, what if I said, yeah, okay, universe is 13 billion years old. I agree with that. Well, what different, first of all, I have no way, if you want to rest your laurels, rest upon the laurels of science, there's no way currently we would a- even be able to estimate that accurately because all of our presuppositions were just taken for granted. That's right. Right? Uh, like the speed of light and all these different things. But, uh, the, and this is where we're like the Athenians, right? We're always sucked into some new thing that's interesting. The Athenians would have loved Facebook if they had it, um, social media. But the bigger issue is the heavens declare the glory of God. And the bigger the telescopes get, the more glorious you realize God is, God is. in all of his creation. So I can get, I can personally get, I can forget the forest for a tree hmm. um, and these kinds of things. But the bigger question, bigger thing is, what does, what does the universe reveal? So, Well, <clears throat> I think what is interesting, you compare Genesis 1-1 with Genesis 2-1, in Genesis 1-1, heaven is singular. In Genesis 2-1, heavens is plural. Um, <laughs> so in Genesis 1-1, which heaven, singular, is he referring to? I believe the Bible clearly teaches there are three heavens. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Um, we know that 
the Bible specifically mentions the third heaven, right. which if you're going to call it the third heaven, you got to have two others. Have two others <laughs> right, right. Right. Yeah. So Genesis 1.1, one, one, one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible is Genesis 1.1. One, one. Everyone says heavens and the earth. It's not, it's heaven singular. And then in Genesis 2.1, thus the heavens, plural, and the earth. Earth is always singular. Earth, there's never earths. In the Bible, yeah, uh, Earth is always singular. We're finished, and all the host of them. Notice the plural pronoun used there: them. So all the hosts, the host of the heavens and the earth, um, were made. Are you, are, you, are you suggesting that the heaven was at some point segmented into three? I'm just bringing up the point. <laughs> I'm just bringing up the point that, um, okay, this is this is the point that I'm bringing up. If you ask most Christians, and I don't even know what your answer would be here around the table, I believe our focus is wrong. Um, what I mean by that is, if I asked most Christians, what is the theme of Genesis chapter number one? Mm-hmm. What do you feel their answer would be? Creation. Who creation? Creation, right. Right. which that's not at all the theme of Genesis 1. The theme of Genesis 1 is God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is its theme. You look at the word that's used the most in Genesis 1, it's going to be God. Right. Not create or created, it's going to be God. It's used 30-some times in chapter number 1. Creation is just the thing which this God did to show his glory. Right. So I believe today, because in much of Christianity today, there's a fascination with Genesis 1, Genesis 2, Genesis 7, the flood, the book of Revelation, and maybe the crucifixion of Christ, and that's it. Mm-hmm. In most of what I call Christianity, in air quotes, that is the fascination of Christianity. None of the rest of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And we focus so much attention on that, that I believe we completely lose sight of it's about him Mm -hmm. it's about god and now i say all that to say i personally and you know define young and old i mean to me six thousand years is you know i do believe that there's a lot of trying to marry science with with the scriptures i just simply believe the bible the focus of God is not the universe. That is not his focus. That is exactly right. His focus is the earth. That is his focus. Mm-hmm. However old the I personally believe that all I'm saying is Genesis 1:1, what is it saying he created? Yeah. There's one heaven. Which one? Which one of the three mm-hmm. did he create? Well, the earth according had to be to in Genesis 1:1. Right? The earth had the earth to be had in, to be in, that, in heaven. that heaven. Right. Yeah. So, but his focus is upon the earth. I personally believe the earth is, according to the Word of God, 6,000-some years old. Yep. Uh, I believe what would be called the cosmos, space. I've, I, I personally believe it's the same age. Am I going to get down and foam at the mouth with someone if it's... His focus is not the cosmos. His focus is the earth. That, that is his focus. Well, what's the cosmos focus? The heavens declare the glory of God. Right. Their focus is God. So, yeah. And declare it to who? That's right. It's right. man. I believe it's right. declaring man, it to man. Right. right. Earth is God's focus. Yes. Um, do I believe that man lived with the dinosaurs? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I believe? I believe all of those things. All I'm saying is, so I guess the answer to the question is biblically, um, Yes. I believe in what would be called a young earth. The second question, though, that I would ask is, why is this such a huge question? Mm-hmm. Why have we made this such a, can a I, large... Can I speak to that, though? Okay, yes. I, I think that you're right that there's focus on origins and there's focus on end times. And that is because, you know, the devil in questioning hath God said is attacking and has attacked origins um, in our time, specifically through Darwinism, right? So that is like, that is globally, global education of people. They begin by learning that they're 
the products of random time and chance. They, so evolution is a doctrine, and it is the doctrine that people are raised on. So I think a lot of Christians are concerned about having answers to those questions because, um, you know, it's an issue. It's a worldview issue. But I also think that um, you can win. I think if anybody ever watched the Bill Nye Ken Ham debate, you can win the debate and a person still be lost and reject Christ, you know, as their savior. So apologetics is different than evangelism, right? People may want to have all their Genesis answers all in a row, right? They may want to have them all in a row so that they can win the apologetics debate. But apologetics is is different than evangelism, right? It is it is a path to demonstrate uh, the truthfulness of the gospel, but it's not the gospel itself. And then when it comes to end times, I mean, people look around and they see. I mean, okay, how many teachers are out there getting you to become part of their elite subscription group? You know, insiders where for ten bucks a month you get to be on the know about all the things that are happening uh, in the world. And every time there's an earthquake or a volcano or a or war. A war or a rumor of war, mm-hmm. you know, people take, which we know is a tribulation passage, and they think, well, you know, we're near the end. And so there's a fascination with those things, I think. Man is fascinated with the sensational. Yeah. And quite frankly, with most of the Word of God, is not sensational. Yeah. For the them. beginning and the ending is really cool. That's right. sensational. Mm-hmm. And Well, man is, you know, when it comes to Christianity, we're obsessed with our past and future not a bit concerned about our today. So (laughs) I like, you know, Brother Chad, so again, going back to you can win the debate. You can can have apologetics. So what you're saying is, and I agree with you, I'm just, you know, piggybacking. The need need is salvation. Right. Meaning, so so before I sit down with a, a Darwinian, is that a word? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Use it. Yeah. Before before I sit down with someone who believes Darwin, um, I could debate him forever. But if they don't know Jesus, if they've never been saved, we're in a whole different... You know what I mean? Right. It, the foundation's already messed up. Right. His right. foundation is messed up. Right. And I don't agree with Ken Ham and everything he does. I have a thing he does. I don't agree with Ken Ham and everything he believes. Um, but I respected, I don't know, you, did you watch that debate? I sure did, yeah. I, I respected good. Ken Ham's approach in the sense that he told Bill Nye, listen, your your issue is you need to know the Lord is your Savior. He right. said that. Yeah. He gave him the gospel yeah. in the debate. Yep. And um, and I'm, I'm appreciative of that, and I'm thankful for that. Um, so, again, I might not agree doctrinally with everything Ken Ham says, does, whatever. Yeah. But I, I'm thankful for he understood the same idea. Right. So going back to young earth, old earth, young universe, old universe, bottom line, all right, first we have to make sure we're right when it comes to our relationship with Christ. Right. Study. Study to show thyself approved. Study Genesis 1. Have fun in Genesis 1. Go read Revelation. You know, go study it. But write division. Sure. Helps us put things into proper perspective. Sure. So. Yeah. I mean, Genesis, if, if we're in the Genesis 1 vein, um, it's day four, right? When he creates the, the stars, the lights. The, that's yep. right. Let there be for lights, <clears throat> excuse me, in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And he makes two great lights, verse 16, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. So if you were... You know, again, I'm not going to argue with someone about the, the age, mm-hmm. right, of it. Um, but I know that on day four is when these things, when God what's makes a star? these things. Yeah, that's a discussion I, for another I, I podcast. Had to, I had to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think we made enough of a mess of things today. I think so. Right? <laughs> so what measured time before day four? Because the Bible's clear that the creation of the lights in the sky was to measure time. Sure. So what... How was time measured on day one, two, three, until the creation of the things which mm-hmm. God created to measure time? God, you know, God, God said, 
It's like that. It's like you're in Sunday school, and the teacher asks a question, and the kid doesn't know the answer. He just Jesus. goes, "Jesus." Right. <laughs> like, Which that's right half of the time. How so. was there? How was you know? How was time yeah. measured for the chat? God. Yeah. Now I'm okay. Th- <laughs> now I'm thankful. This same listener, they actually sent in a list of I think seven questions, and we just picked like number five. Yeah, we right. did. So we did. I'm grateful that this same listener also asked about what is the word of God, meaning, Mm -hmm. you know, because the reason I bring up the fact of why is this such a, you know, the same people that are so concerned whether or not the earth is young or not, don't even really care what, what the scriptures are. Sure. That's a good point. Uh, Yes. That's, that's my point. Why? And and again, me saying that this listener in the same list of questions asked about the Bible. So I'm thankful for that. Um, But just in my mind, I, I just feel that that has. Why has that become such a huge question? I, I um, there is a right or wrong, there is a right and wrong, but why have we made that such a large question? Uh, I think the age of the earth. You know, brother Chad, you mentioned the the Darwinian humanistic ideas that I mean, when you're when you're um, origin is wrong. Everything else messes up from that moment on. No matter how fast, if I want to go to Bangor and I get on 95 and I start heading south, it doesn't matter how fast, how well, how amazing I drive, I'm going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And the same is true. If, you're, if your starting point is wrong, you're going to come to the wrong conclusion. And why is this such a big deal? I think one of the main reasons is because humanity as a whole has had the wrong starting point for years, hundreds of years, by believing that foolish, can I say, demonic teaching, that God had nothing to do with creation. God's not there. It was happened through circumstance, and and and, and then what that creates is this, well, then what am I? The value of human life is now dwindled. Um, you start telling people they are a glorified animal, they're going to act like a glorified animal. Mm-hmm. Um, not a special creation from God and so forth. So I think it's created a lot of problems. And then we, we see it all the time. We see it in in our television shows. We see it. Uh, the children are being, it's being crammed down their throats every day at school. And I think, you know, for some, we are making sure I can accept Jesus Christ on the cross. Man, creation? 6,000 years? That's it? You know? It's, but, but Dr. Spock says it was this rock is 300 million years old, and he has a PhD, THD, and every other letter after his name. How come I can't? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, but this, this book sitting in front of me called a Bible, and that says it's 6,000 years. It's, it's, it's hard for the, the, the human to come to that. Wait a minute. I can outthink Dr. Spock. Well, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. So that makes Dr. I'm using Spock as an sure. example. But that makes Dr. Spock a fool and myself not. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, these are big life questions. Every, yeah. every person uh, comes to terms or wrestle with the two questions, who am I and why am I here? Mm-hmm. So people are searching for origins, questions. If you, I think a really close third would be where am I going? Sure, sure, absolutely. So. No, that's great. And, and if you can, any human being, if they can find quote-unquote satisfactory answers to those questions, then they can begin to map out their life's purpose if they, if they actually want to have a life's purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and we know the Bible lays out all three answers. Right, and you know what? Sometimes a, for some people, a bad answer is better than no answer. Yes. And there's plenty of people that are happy to live with a wrong answer as long as it's an answer. That's right. Um, so The point that I'm bringing, I'm not saying that it's not important. Sure. What no, I'm saying is, yeah. is I believe this issue, much of Christianity has elevated it above what the Bible is. Right. Agreed. Agreed. So you're yes. talking about origin. Yes. Okay. The same people that just, just feel this is an important... Look... Most, could we say that, I can't say all, but most 
organizations that deal with creation facts and things aren't even settled on what the Word of God is. Sure. I so agree. Yes. my point is, is that most of Christianity would feel that the greater debate is how old the earth is than what is the Word of God. Mm. That's my point. Right. Um, that's my point, is that why have we elevated this above... Because if I take away the Word of God, if I can't decide what the Word of God is, then where am I going to get the answer for my question of where I came from? Right. Um, so that's my point. I just believe we've elevated certain things, questions in Christianity. We, we've got our questions out of order of importance, so to Yeah, speak. no, this is a good observation because I, I know a pastor who's... He said um, one of the the devil's oldest tricks in the book is to set up two competing authorities as long as they're other than God, right? So oh, when, yeah. when you come into the the origins and creation argument, you know you're right. There are groups that they're not settled on what the Word of God is or where the Word of God is, um, and yet they they mimic the patterns of secular science. They Right, in order to compete with secular science, and they rest, they're hanging their hats on research, scholarship, all of these things on verifiable da- data. So you're you're in a fight. Um, you're pulled into a fight where, yes, the order of importance, things are out of whack. Now, going back to what you said, I I did appreciate that in that in the context of the debate, mm-hmm. you know, I think Ken Ham recognized the moment. I believe as that. an yes. opportunity, not yes. just for not just for Bill Nye to be confronted with the gospel, but everybody who watched the debate Agreed. to be confronted with the gospel. And thankfully, you know the God uses foolish things of the world to confound the wise, mm-hmm. um, and He can use He can use all of us, even when there's areas where you know what is the Word of God is simple to us mm-hmm. may not be simple to somebody else. We're just I think if we speak plainly. Ken Ham's on a King James Bible guy. We would see that as an error, and um, that's a discussion for another sure. time. But yeah, I believe in a young Earth because the Bible says so. Yeah, and I don't need anything else. Right. You know, I laugh. Bill Nye, he's called the science guy. He doesn't even have a science degree. No, he doesn't. <laughs> I just find that so funny. And, <laughs> but he and, was good on TV. I watched him growing up. Yeah. But you know, I, I, just play one I, on I believe in a young creation because the Bible says so. And I don't, I don't need to go anywhere else. I don't need to have any other. I don't need some guy in a white trench coat to, with a calculator in his pocket to, to verify my belief. It's just the Bible says so. But it's because I'm settled on what the Bible is. Right. Um, I don't question what the Bible is, mm-hmm. and but uh, that's a quick answer. I don't know how we're we're probably getting close to being done with this. With well, this we covered segment, a lot. But in this we one, did. We, we kind of yeah. just we hit but a I number mean, of things. This question specifically. <laughs> yeah. Oh my went goodness! From, went yeah. from John three to is huge to, to the universe so. is huge. <laughs> but if we provoke, you know, you provoke not just thought, but well, you also want the listener to study. Yeah, ways of thinking. That's right. Right. You know, way and how to think about something. It's it is not just what you think. It's how did you get there? Yeah. You know. Right. Yeah. And so you can see even around the table, we might disagree some on things, but we agree on the fact that the earth and man is God's focus. Mm-hmm. It has been since in the beginning, That's Genesis right. one one, and it is so now that this is the focus, and so. Um, Let's make sure we have our priorities in order as well, that the, the theme of, of Genesis 1, which is called the creation chapter, and, and again, I know it may seem like a small point, but it is not. It is God. Hmm. It is God. We are robbing, I think, God of his greatness when we focus on the creation instead of the creator. Hmm. And... But um, let's wrap it up there, I guess, fellers, and we can... But before you close, is the earth flat? Is the earth flat? Oh, I'm yeah. just kidding. No, no, you got to finish this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy, more food for thought. It's flat in spots. I know that. I, I haven't seen it around here. <laughs> yeah. Do things go bump in the night? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
so many questions, so many questions. Hopefully, I'm sure that this is going to bring up more. Uh, oh, here no. comes all the flat earth questions. <laughs> we're never, we're never going to be able to answer all the questions that are yeah. going to come now. Okay. So I'll just give. My bad. Your, can I give your phone number? Yeah, I'll call you directly. What's your email? Yeah, no way. Well, thank you for listening, folks. We are grateful for your attendance with us. And again, I'm so thankful for liberty, individual soul liberty, that uh, we can uh, agree as brethren, even though we may have some different thoughts. One can, more thought. Can you give the email address? Do you know what it is? I would, but I don't know what <laughs> <Okay>. it is. <laughs> it's backwoodstheology at gmail.com. Backwards theology at Why gmail.com. Not, not backwards. Not backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Although I mentioned flat earth. Maybe we're, maybe we're people are going to think yeah. it's backwards. I'm kidding, by the way. But it is backwoodstheology at gmail.com. So. Wonderful. Thank you. More than mention that one, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll be getting together with you again on the next Friday when another podcast comes out from Backwoods Theology. Hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm.